Uh, well, a very, very good morning to you. It is fantastic to see you today. Um, and special welcome if you're visiting, whether that be part of the wider Wayman clan. It's lovely to see you guys, uh, even if I don't quite recognise all of you as Waymans. Sorry about that. Lovely to see Natasha back with us and uh, lovely to see some people visiting too. We're really glad you're here. And um, it's just a fantastic privilege to look at this chapter in Ezra 2. We've start, we just started a new series in Ezra and um, we're in chapter 2. Please keep that open in front of you. Uh, okay, as we go through that, it's going to help me and it's going to help you to see that what I'm saying is hopefully what's, what God is saying uh, to us. And just to say, uh, just to kind of flag up that... Um, at the end of the sermon, we have a, a time for discussion, and we have a time where you can uh, ask questions or you can, uh, uh, you know, make comments. Uh, there's a little, there's a sermon handout if you're into following along. Sermon handout, and on the back, there's a box for thoughts, comments, questions, and prayer points. Just say, you know, if you if you want to jot something down as we go through, do you want to flag up at the end, either with the person next to you or to me? Um, that's great. Um, you know, please feel free to do that. Um, and so we'll have that after the sermon. But before we start looking at this, uh, let's pray and ask for God's help, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we've uh, just asked you to speak to us. And uh, before we do that, we just praise you that you are a God who speaks. Uh, we thank you so much that you're not distant from us. That you're a God who wants us to know you and has told us what you're like, told us how uh, we can know you and what we ought to be like in light of that. Father, we thank you so much uh, that you are a God who speaks. And Father, as we come to you, therefore, um, we do pray, as we've just sung, that you would shape us that you would uh, fashion us in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him into this world. Thank you, Father, for bringing us uh, to know him. And so we pray that we would, as we look at your word, we would humble ourselves before it, we would sit under it, and we would know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, how can we be uh, the best church that we can be? How can we be the best church that we can be? If you're a church member here or perhaps you're a church member somewhere else, how can you be the best church member that you can be? I'm not sure if that was your first uh, thought as you, as you got up this morning, as you prepared to come to church. Uh, but we begin to get some kind of answer to that question in, in, in chapter 2. How can we be the best church that we can be? Okay, now it's not an exhaustive answer. So this, this, this does not give us uh, a complete answer to our question. But it does show us the kind of people that we ought to strive to be. The kind of church that we ought to strive to be. Now, you may be slightly confused at this point. Ezra 2 simply looks like a very long list of names. And if we're honest, perhaps it's a tedious list. Perhaps our our hearts sank as as of us began to read it so well. Uh, And yet, it's hugely significant. 
So we're supposed to read this, and I, I guess the, you know, the original readers, Jewish people, would have done this. They would have read this, just as we would look at uh, something like this. I guess you, you, you visited one of these before. It's a war memorial. It has hundreds and thousands of names carved into stone. Now, on the face of it, that doesn't look like much. It just looks like a bunch of names. But you see, as you look at it, as, as you go up to that, that wall and you look at it and you know that it's a war memorial, you know, sometimes you're amazed at that. There's a, that there's a heading, perhaps, that says, Roll of Honour. If people would be honoured. Or it says something like, In memory of those who gave their lives in this war. And you think, wow, these are people who gave their lives. Now, as you, you look more closely, you might see that some people did that in a certain way. They had certain roles. So there might be a group of people who spent their time detecting mines. And you stop and you just imagine what that would have been like. You know, to give your life detecting mines. And of course, when we come to these things, we love, don't we, to look if our own name is there. You know, to, to some kind of distant relative, perhaps, uh, if we, we were a descendant of, of one of these people who gave their lives. Now imagine that, that kind of attitude is how Jewish readers would have read this, this, this chapter that we have in front of us. The emotions, of course, would, would be different uh, because it's not a war memorial. It's a list of people, as John said, who have come to build. They're going to rebuild the temple of God. That is what we have in the book of Ezra. So we said uh, last week, it's a building project. It's our, very, it's our very own episode of kind of grand designs or DIY SOS, if, you, if you're into those things. Uh, uh, and last week we saw that God made a, a way for that project to happen. It looked impossible, but he, he made a way for the people to return They've been there for 60, 60 years under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they've been sent there for their t- sin and the temple, the central place of worship, had been destroyed. And now God moved them to come back to rebuild that temple. So it's kind of like, if you imagine, uh, Nick Knowles, uh, kind of, uh, if you, Nick Knowles is the, the, if you don't know, is the, the kind of presenter, the main guy in DIOSOSS. SOS, big build, and uh, he gets on the phone to all various kinds of tradesmen and he says, look, I need you to come fix this house. I want you to come and do this for me. So we saw God move the hearts of the people. And we see in this particular episode, this week, these are the people that he called. These are the people who returned to do this. Now that was a massive thing in Israel's history. And so you'd look at it as a Jewish reader, you look at it and you think, wow, look at that, my, my great-great-granddad was involved in rebuilding the temple. That's, that's amazing, that's exciting. And more than this, you know, it, 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 as we watch this episode this morning, we're kind of thinking, wow, the people, they really, really went for this. They really gave themselves to it. It was a fresh start for them. It was a new project. They wanted to, they wanted to get the whole thing right They wanted to be the best that they could be. This is the people of God at their very best. Now the thing is, that didn't last. 
See, by chapter 4, the people give up building. Just, just two chapters' time, the people give up. And then, because of enemies around them, and then chapter 9, we see actually the real problem is not outside of them. The real problem is inside of them. So you see, this chapter, for all their good intentions, just like us, just like me, for all our good intentions, despite being the best they could be at this point, despite having a really good day or week, they can't do what they want to do. See, by the end of the book, we realise that they need something more. They need Jesus Christ. They need the perfect son, the true Israel, that not only had good intentions, but he did get everything right. He lived the perfect life. He lived your life. And then he died in our place. And that is how we come to chapter 2. See, it's easy, isn't it, to look at these people, to, to see God's people at their best, and we think, well, to be the best church we can be, we need to be like them. We need to, we need to be like them. But, but that won't help us. You know, if we only ever try harder, then we'll give up, we'll fail. It's only as we come to Christ, the true Israel, the, the guy who got everything right, knowing that he's already done all of chapter 2 for us, actually only then can we put our intentions in place and slowly become more like him. If that's what it means to be the best church you can be, the best church member you can be, it means you come to Christ. You grow in his likeness. Now, the big question that we're left with, <clears throat> I imagine you're asking, is, well, how, how on earth do you see that here? <laughs> you know, what were these people like? What were their intentions? Well, there are three things uh, that they seek to do. And the first is that they are a people who come to worship God. They are a people who come to worship God. So in returning to Jerusalem... <clears throat> People are coming back from exile. This is what John was saying. Um, and um, uh, they've come out of captivity. We see that clearly in, in verse 1. Here are the people. Verse 1, you see chapter 2. Now these are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive uh, to Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to their own town. So you see, there's a sense in which these people have been rescued. They're, they're coming from King Nebuchadnezzar and they're going back to God, their king who initiated all of this. And here are the people who return. There's then a list that follows. And as we read through this list, we see that actually, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to come back to God, their king. So you, you, see, there, you see that there in the names. We, we have the leaders in verse 2. Have a look at verse 2. In the company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, uh, Rely on Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpah, Bigfi, Rahim, and Benar. These are all le- we'll see that through Ezra. These are all leaders of the people. And they come up with the people who are listed in a number of different ways. So you've got people who are listed by their family or their tribe. Uh, uh, that's um, in verse uh, 3 to 20. So you see from verse 3, the descendants of Parosh, 2172, of uh, uh, Shephatiah, 372, of Ara, 775. These are all family names, okay? 
Uh, and then they're also identified uh, by their location or geographically. So you see that really clearly, verse 21. We all know, don't we, the men of Bethlehem, uh, of Nephetah, of uh, Anathoth. These are all places, many of which speak of God's promises. Uh, these people were born into those places. And then we see a bunch of people who are identified by their role. So verse 36, if you look down there, you've got the priests. Verse uh, 40, you've got the Levites. Verse 41, you've got musicians. Verse 42, the gatekeepers. And then verse 43, onwards, you've got a bunch of um, temple servants. Now look, that is really key. That's the key point of, of, of this chapter. The author here, if you think about it, they could have gone on, they could have listed these people any way they liked. So they could have gone on with their families. Said, you know, the descendants of the Wareham's or the descendants of the Harmers or whatever, you know, or they could have said the people of, of Papua, they could have gone on um, with families or locations, but instead we get these specific roles. That's there for a reason. And it's interesting, isn't it, that, that there would have been other specific roles that were needed for this project. So you would have needed to build a physical temple, you would have needed metal workers, you would have needed artisans, you would have needed weavers. That's all really clear in the Old Testament. But he doesn't mention those. They're there. They might be there in the men of Bethlehem. Men of Bethlehem might contain a hundred weavers. You know, but, but he doesn't pick them out. And that's because the author wants us to see something. He wants us to see that they're returning for a specific purpose. Now, what is that? What, 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 what are the specific uh, roles? Well, the priests were people who gave the people access to God. So there they were. They would have stood before uh, the temple uh, kind of uh, on behalf of the people. They would sacrifice on behalf of the people. Uh, uh, only through the priest did you, did you come to God. Did you have access to him? The Levites would assist the priest in all his duties to make this happen. As well as the temple servants, they would kind of maintain all the stuff within the temple so that the priest could function uh, properly. And that could only be done safely with the gatekeepers and then the musicians allowed people to sing as they, come, they came to God. That's fairly self-explanatory, isn't it? So you see, the roles listed are ones that mean the people are not just returning to build a brick building. What the author is saying to us here, that they're returning to go to God, to know him, to worship him. Yeah, they've got to build something, but they, they're going to know God. That's what they're coming up for. You know, it's, it's a bit like when you see on that list of names, you see that the mind detectors, you think... That's what those, those people went there, went to war in order to make land safe. That's why they went, to, to clear up mines. These people here are going not to rebuild physically, but ultimately they're coming to worship God. And if that's the point of the temple, if that is a right intention, then of course it raises the question, doesn't it? Why do you come here? You know, the New Testament says, look, the church is now the temple of God. And you see that most clearly as we gather together. And so, why do we come? 
Maybe uh, you come to see people. Maybe you come because you're on a rotor. Maybe you feel you just like, can't let people down. Maybe you come because that's just what you do. It's a habit. But I, I know that I've come to church for all of those reasons. And I, and I will come to church for those reasons at times. But the purpose that I should strive for is genuine worship of God. Now, of course, that involves, doesn't it, singing and praying and listening. Yeah, just, I, I love that because it, 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 it takes your eyes off of this broken world and it lifts you to something that is, is you know, the, the, the great God that we have. It's, it's brilliant. I love doing that. But worship is more than that. Yeah, the, the New Testament calls us to so much more. Just have a look uh, on the screen at, at Romans 12. Um, this, is, this is what it says. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. We'll read from In View of God's Mercy. Um, so, sorry, it should say, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, you haven't missed too much. In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living, as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is, your, this is your, uh, your, proper, your true and proper worship, to offer yourself as a, as a living sacrifice. Now, if you go home this afternoon and you read the rest of Romans 12, you'll see what that looks like. You, you, you'll see that it means that you belong to one another. You're not your own. It means that you're devoted to one another. It means that we encourage one another. We love sincerely. You know, so, you, 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 I don't know, you go around to the person who's lonely and you, you sit there and you listen to them even if that doesn't give you anything. Or you go around to the person who's suffering and you just, you just weep with them. You know, you're, not, you're not getting anything there. But that's how you worship God. That's what we should be aiming for as a church. And of course that means, doesn't it, that, that church happens beyond this. Has to. Has to happen beyond this. You, you cannot just turn up here and then go home and shut yourself away. If you really are going to worship God, you can't do that. Has to happen beyond a Sunday. Here's the thing though. Romans 12 reminds us that we can only do this. Do you see, do you see there on the, on the screen the first line there? We can only do this in view of God's mercy. We can only give ourselves to others. Genuinely, if we know that God has had mercy on us. That he sacrifices himself for us. You know, only with that view in mind... Can we worship God rightly? Of course, we want to get that right as a church, don't we? So, so this is the, the second thing we see, that, that you have a bunch of people who not only worship God, but they, they pe- people who want to do that right, who get it right. So they act to honour God. This is the second thing we, do, we see, a people who act to honour God. So the people came to worship, and um, what we see is that they wanted to make sure that was done right. Which means that there's a recognition that not everybody can do this as God would intend. 
You, know, you may have noticed as we read through these lists that all these people here are descendants. Uh, that is how you came into the people of God. You, you were born into it. Okay, but the list, uh, uh, sorry, as, as people arrive, uh, the list shows us that, that they realise that not everybody can prove that they belong to the people of God. Just have a look at, at verse uh, 59. Uh, so 59, uh, the, the following came up from the towns of Telmala and Telharsha, Kareb, Adon and Imma, but they could not show that their families were descended from Israel. The descendants of Deliah, Tobiah and Nakoda, uh, 652, and from among the priests, the descendants of Habiah, uh, Hakoz, and Barzillai, etc. See, the, 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 you've got families and priests there. Both, both groups can't show that they're real descendants. Now, that, that may not be a problem for the families, uh, depending on who they are. We're not quite sure. But it was certainly a massive problem for the priests. See, the Old Testament tells us that that you had to be from the line of priests to be a priest. If you weren't, so if you weren't uh, from the lineage of priests and you went ahead and served as a priest, you would hinder everybody. You would make all of them unclean and you would die. That's, 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 pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, it, it, it's a bit like, on a ma- much more massive scale, it's a bit like Nick Knowles. He, he rings this team of pers- specific plumbers. They wear a blue uniform. He says, look, you've got to come sort this house out for me. And they come, and there they are, five guys in blue, and there's one in red. And he's like, hang on a minute. These guys always wear blue. I know these people. I trust them. I know they belong to this company. I know they're good plumbers. Who are you? Are you a plumber? Because if, if you're not, you're going to make a mess of this. And you're going to cause everybody a whole load of grief. That's much worse if you were to do that as a priest and you're not really a priest. So, what happens? Well, rather than the people saying, oh, don't worry, it's okay, go ahead and do it anyway. No, they act, they do something in order to honour God, honour what God has told them to do. So, have a look at verse 62. So, he said, these searched for their family records, but they could not find them. And so, what happens? They were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The government ordered them not to eat any of the most sacred food until there was a priest ministering with the Urim and Thummim. See, they're effectively told, look, it's better for now that you do not serve in this way. Now, I want you to notice, they're not sent home. Okay, these people are not cast out as enemies. They're not enemies. There's no rash assumptions made. This is not permanent. You know, the whole idea of the Urim and the, th- the Thummim is that, that you seek God's guidance and will over these people. So it may yet be decided by God that actually they can serve in time. But the point here is that you have a community who are seeking to worship God, to really love one another by acting upon God's word, by honouring him, even if that means that you exclude some. Now, I guess we have that same desire as a church, don't we? Broadly, we, we want to do everything here according to God's word. It's God's church. So that makes sense. We want to honour him in all that we do. But of course, a more specific application of this text is for the sake of everybody, we want to be clear 
really clear on who belongs and who doesn't. Now to understand how that applies to us, what we need to know is that the way you become God's people has changed. Okay, so you see how here, how you, you were born into the people of God. You had, you had family records that showed you were the people of God. But the New Testament says that, that doesn't, that's not the case anymore. You now belong through faith. It doesn't matter what family you came from. You belong through faith in Christ. And that is what defines the church. Here's what we read in uh, 1 Peter. Sorry, again, uh, this hasn't quite worked out. But it says here, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, accepting to God through Jesus Christ. Now look, the point is, look, so the church is described there as living stones. Again, it's a picture of a temple. But you come to the church, you can't see the opening words there, but if you, take, you come to the church as you come to him, as you come to Christ. Only those people, only those people who come to Christ can be priests who truly sacrifice. You, know, you might be here, um, let me just say, anyone and everyone is welcome here. We're so happy that you can join us on a Sunday. You may even be part of church life. You know, your, your kids will probably be part of church life. You see people outside of this Sunday. But if you don't belong to Christ, you don't belong to the temple. You don't belong to the church. And that just means we can't, for your own good and for the sake of others, we can't allow you to serve in certain ways. Equally, if you claim to belong to Christ, like these people were doing here, if you claim to belong to Christ, but your life continuously, deliberately contradicts that claim, this church may ask you to step down from certain things. Now that's loving. It, it, it means that it helps us and it helps you to realise that what you most need, before you do anything here, what you most need is to come to Christ. You know, if, if we don't do this, it means you could, just, you could come here and you could just carry on thinking, yeah, well, church is, a, church is fun. I can, you know, I can do stuff here. That's fine. But that's, that's not true. Church is built on Jesus Christ. And so for any of us, the very first step in being the best church members that we can be is coming to Christ. You know, as you come to him, you come to the church. That's when you give yourself. Now, the, the people wanted to do that, not just in the way that they served, but also in their giving. This is the third and final thing we see this morning, a people who want to give to God. <clears throat> people who want to give to God. The, the, the bottom line is the temple will cost money to build. It needs a treasury, it needs money for them to be built rightly, to, to worship God rightly. The people know this, and so what they do is they, they give. Verse 68, you see there, when they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings towards the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. 
Now look, a free will offering can take many forms. But the point of a free will offering is it's given freely. They want to do it. You, you want to give a free will offering. And so, what happens, because they're wanting to do this, you see that they raise an extraordinary amount. You see there, verse 69. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work 61,000 darics of gold, 5,000 miners of silver, and 100 priestly garments. Now, you'll see in your footnotes, if you've got a church Bible particularly, you'll see a couple of footnotes there. It equates to almost three and a half tons of gold and silver. That, that is millions in today's money. It's a very, very generous amount. Perhaps the reason for that is because as they came out of exile, do you remember the king told the people around to give? He said, give to these people for their work. You know, uh, and, and they came up with a ton of stuff already. Now next week we'll see this money being used uh, uh, to, to get the building underway, underway. But here's the encouragement for us. You see there at the start of verse 69. What do the people do? They give according to their ability. Now it's clear here for them, that's a huge amount of worth, uh, wealth. Sorry. Um, you know, the, these people gave that. The current route for us is: look, if that's not our situation, we can still give a small amount. We just give according to our ability. But the point here is: it's the attitude with which you give. The people wanted to give. The New Testament draws a a really similar um, principle here. It says, each of you should give what you have decided your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, the people at their best will not be people who raise millions necessarily, but people who genuinely want to give. That's why here at Christchurch Camborne, if you're a member here, we'll let you know about the finances, but we'll never compel you to give anything. It's just not right. I'm never going to force you to do that. Yeah, we want to be a church who want to give that generously, according to our ability. And of course, we'll do that, won't we? Only by fixing our eyes on Christ, who has made us rich, who's given us everything that we need, so that we can then freely give. So here is God's people. They're absolutely going for it uh, as they seek to rebuild. Their intentions, they, they want to worship. They want to do that rightly. They want to give. Their intentions are absolutely right, but they're without Christ. If that was their problem. And so for us, only as we look to him can we even begin to be the best church that we can be. That's what a good church does. It looks to Christ and it slowly becomes more and more like him. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you so much for these people who returned with such good intentions. We thank you for... Uh, the people here, we thank you for Christchurch Camborne and all of our intentions. Father, we recognise that we need you to be the people who we want to be. Help us then to be a church 
first and foremost, who goes to Christ and looks to him. Help us to be shaped by him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we'll have a couple of minutes now um, just for uh, some discussion on your tables. If you're on your own and you want to talk to somebody, please feel free to move. Equally, if you're with a bunch of people and you find this the most horrifying experience uh, of your week, uh, feel free just to kind of, I don't know, you can go get a drink or go to the toilet. You don't have to do this. It's, it's absolutely fine. Um, so, uh, but let's have, you can talk about what we've heard and then we will have just some feedback uh, if that's going to be helpful. So just a couple of minutes to discuss. Just... Uh, if there's any, uh, and sorry, if you haven't quite finished, please feel free to carry on talking um, after we've after we've you know kind of finished. If that's uh, um, if that's the right word to use in like what we've just had, but um, any questions or comments or thoughts, anything that's going to be helpful, don't be shy. If you've got something to say, chip in. Thanks, Annie. Thank you, Ben. It's not a question, but it's a comment that I would read this passage as just numbers and names. And you really, really brought out a very nice message, and it is a deep thought how we could relate to how a church should be, Mm. and especially it's really a good message for me as well, how much we should get involved, not just coming and attending. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your encouragement. That's really kind. Uh, anyone else? Richard? Again, Ben, it's, it's not a question, it's a comment, really. Um, thank you for dealing with that passage. That's a, a difficult passage, and it's great that you got some great things out of it for us. My comment is this, um, that temple building is costly. Yeah. You know, um, it doesn't just happen and church building's the same you know it costs and uh, I think the emphasis on God loving a cheerful giver is a really good point Um, but we just need to keep that in mind thanks Richard anyone else at all any questions at all Okay. Um, in which case, um, do you please keep on talking um, afterwards? That'd be great. Uh, we're just going to sing of a song that really kind of um, recognises, actually, you know, to to be the church we want to be, we we need we need God's help massively. We need God to work in us. That's something that I didn't say in this passage. So yes, we need to look to Christ, but the Spirit will cause us to do that. And so, um, uh, here you are, breath of life, um, come sweeping through us, revive your church with life and power. Um, Let's stand and sing.